The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Good afternoon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Jeffrey Bartash, economics reporter in Washington, D.C. With me today from Big Sky Country, our colleagues Greg Robb, economic editor of Market Watch, and Megan Casella, senior special writers of Barron's. Welcome, Greg and Meg. Megan. Lovely view you have there. It's a beautiful morning. Well, let's get right to it. The Federal Reserve's fight against the highest inflation in four decades has already pushed a key short-term U.S. interest rate to a 22-year high of 5.5%. Higher borrowing costs typically depress the economy, as we all know, and often trigger recession. So the Fed has another big decision to make. Raise interest rates one more time, as it indicated in July, to make darn sure inflation keeps slowing. Or stand pat on the assumption that interest rates are high enough to do the job. Senior Fed officials appear split in recent comments, Megan. Did Fed Chair Jerome Powell tip his hand in his Jackson Hole speech this morning? He didn't really tip his hand either way. He really left the door open. He emphasized that they were going to proceed cautiously, that he thought there was still an impact of the interest rate hikes that have been done so far. He thinks those are still trickling into the economy and they're going to you know, proceed cautiously and, and watch to see how it goes. But he also said that he realizes the economy might not be slowing as much as they had thought, that they're going to keep an eye on the labor market, on economic growth, on consumer spending. So he really kind of made it clear they could go either way. I think Marcus were reading this as a speech that said they're not going to hike in September, but he didn't shut the door there. And they could also still hike in November or December this year if they even skip the September meeting. Now, the Fed still has a ways to go to get inflation to its 2% target, a point that Powell emphasized repeatedly today. Prices are still rising in a 3 to 4% range, depending on the inflation measure. Greg, just how does the Fed expect inflation to slow to 2% if it decides that rates don't need to go any higher? I think the Fed wants to get rates up to a certain level, which is what they call restrictive, which is high enough to put some downward pressure on the economy and then inflation. They're not sure they're right at that level. They think they're close, but Powell said today that it's still, you know, he said the skies are cloudy and that there's a lot of things going on. So that they're not really sure. They're kind of feeling their way here. They've penciled in one more hike this year. They have three more meetings. And my sense is that they're going to do one of those hikes during the you know next three meetings. But the timing of it is definitely uncertain. So Greg, just to follow, one of the phrases the Fed officials often constantly use is higher for longer meaning higher rates for a longer period of time to make sure inflation comes down. You and Karen asked, does higher for longer mean six months, 12 months, 18 months? That's the $64,000 question. (laughs) I I think, you know, it's sort of for sure maybe next March before they'll even start thinking about it, thinking about thinking about it. There's a, you know, there's a while they're going to want to watch. I mean, it definitely depends upon the data. It could be a little bit longer. Um, you know, you get the sense that the economy is doing so well, Jeff, right? You know, GDP, maybe 3% or more this quarter. So that kind of makes you think that 
it's going to be a little bit longer than the market thinks. I think the market thinks March, but, you know, I think it's going to be a little bit later. But that's, you know, that's definitely so far in the future that it's anybody's guess. Well, let's assume interest rates stay high for a while, higher for longer. What does that mean for the economy, Megan? What they want it to mean is that things start to slow down in a way that we haven't quite seen yet. They're hoping that job openings at the least will start to fall to put you know, labor demand back in better balance with labor supply. They want to see consumer spending slow a little bit further, economic growth slow a little bit further. You know, This 3% that Greg mentioned for the quarter is not exactly what they want to see. They want to see that slow down so that there's just less economic activity. And if they keep interest rates high and inflation continues to fall, then real rates get more and more restrictive. And so if they can just hold them steady and continue to see further progress on inflation as rent infl- rent uh, disinflation starts to take hold, then they'll get closer to that goal. And, you know, it gets more expensive to borrow money. It gets more, um, you know, more expensive to buy a house, for example, or a car or accrue credit card debt. And so that might slow consumer spending. That's what they're hoping. And then the whole economy starts to cool down. Uh, there is some worry uh... Greg and Megan, that extremely low unemployment and a surprisingly resilient economy could prevent inflation from returning to 2%. The GDP rose more than 2% in the first two quarters. It's on track to rise even more sharply in the third quarter. You know, is, is there a chance that a resilient economy could prevent inflation returning to 2%? In a worst case scenario, some critics even contend that the Fed could be forced to raise rates later on and what could be disastrous about face. One of our viewers, Angela, asks why the Fed can't raise the target for inflation. Another viewer, David, wonders, is 2% a bridge too far? Why can't or why won't the Fed change its inflation target, Greg? Well, I think the Fed doesn't want to, you know, there's a saying, you don't want to change the goalpost in the middle of the game. They would lose credibility. I I do think, you know, when the Fed has been saying 2%, that they really have to kind of stick to that. They they think they have to stick to that or otherwise they'll be sort of laughed out of the building, even though it's tempting for them to maybe raise it higher. I think, you know, they want to get to 2% this time. And then when they review things later, like if, you know, if we can get a year or two in the future from this and the economy is doing well, I think they might kind of rethink this and do like a range around 2% or raise it a little bit more. There's no question, I think, that the economy seems to do better with a 3% inflation rate. I mean, the economy is doing pretty well now. Labor market looks good. You know, so it's kind of funny that they're kind of insisting on 2%, but they've kind of made this bet and they sort of have to lie in it. That would be my sense. I don't know, Megan, if you want to add to that. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. And I think um, it's true. There's a growing argument from some pretty prominent economists, Jason Berman and Paul Krugman, I think this week, talking about how a 3% inflation target would be more reasonable to get to. It would require less economic pain to get there. Um, and they, should they keep going, is it worth it? But Powell has long talked about the need for the Fed to enroll in keeping inflation expectations anchored. And he's talked about this for years. And I think he really views maintaining the focus on that 2% target as a key way to keep inflation expectations in line. So he is not going to change those goals, even if it might seem like that will require a little bit more uptick in unemployment in order to get there, he's going to make sure they do get there. One of the things that's interesting that I haven't seen too many people talk about at all is that if Congress could change the inflation target, they could 
the Fed is a creature of Congress, and they could pass law and say, listen, 3% is your target. And, you know, I don't think that there is a majority of Congress thinking about that or that I don't see that as happening. But that is, you know, one thing that could happen. And we'll see how things go down the road. If, if Congress woke up to the fact that they could kind of tell the Fed that, then the Fed would have to kind of follow that. But that's like just an aside that I haven't seen too many people talking about. So it's an interesting Congress. point, though, because it would take some heat off it. Yeah. Some economists uh, say that getting inflation down from the 40-year high of 9.1% last year, 2 to 3 to 4% range has been kind of the, the easier part of it, and that it might be a lot harder to get from 3% to 2%. One of our viewers, John, asked whether we're talking about maybe the Fed just raising one more rates, but one more rates one more time. But he's wondering, is it possible we could see 7, 7.5% interest rates? Could it really go that high? Either one of you? I'll, I'll say my view is that that seems quite unlikely now, even though we heard those numbers floated maybe a year ago. I think we're really close to the peak, it seems now. But if inflation does continue to fall and those real rates do get a little bit more restrictive as inflation falls, then they don't have to keep raising in order to have more and more of an impact. That's definitely their goal. I think the Fed wouldn't rule anything out. And Powell made really clear today that they're going to keep going until the job is done. He really does not want to repeat um, some mistakes of decades ago of, of you know slowing down and then having to raise rates again. I think that's a much bigger hit to the economy. And that's what history seems to show us. So they will see nothing off the table. They'll keep going as long as they have to. And he sort of reiterated that message today. But I do think that we seem much closer to the peak uh, now than than likely that we get to seven and seven and a half. I think that something in the sixth frame is more realistic than the seven frame. I think seven percent or something like sort of seems like there'd be a lot of things happening that we can't see down the road. But I think some of the Fed hawks are talk, thinking six in the back of their minds. But I think the majority of the committee seems now to be, you know, patience is the word. They're not rushing anything. So the data would have to kind of prove to them that they needed to go higher than six. Right. Now, Fed funds rate, the short-term interest rate might not go up to 7% or so, but some rates that have gone up that high are mortgage rates. The biggest pain from higher interest rates so far this year have been felt in the housing market. Mortgage rates have jumped close to 8%. That's the same rate I got when my wife and I bought our house in 1998. The Fed is also slowly reducing its ownership of trillions of dollars in mortgage-related bonds, and that could also put upward pressure on rates. Megan, does this mean that record low rates for a few years, few years ago have gone for good? Homeowners have to—they're going to have to just stomach the fact they're going to have to pay these high mortgage rates now. I think what most people say is you can't play this market; you can't count on those rates falling. I'm a wannabe first time home buyer myself. So I would love for these rates to fall. But housing is a really interesting one because yes, the Fed likely will this they're not going to keep rates most likely at five and a half percent over the long term. So mortgage rates might fall somewhat. But housing is really difficult because we know there's you know, we don't have the supply of houses that we need in this country, especially moving forward. There's some concerns among housing economists that the Fed's way of slowing the economy is to raise interest rates, which also slows home building over the long term. There's some land grants that aren't being developed at this point because they're so much more expensive. So in that way, we're compounding the problem in the housing market. I would say my thought is that, yes, we're likely 
to, to see a little bit of relief from the 8% mortgage rates, but it, you know, we're almost certainly not going to get back to that two and a half percent rate that we saw a couple of years ago, barring, you know, a major economic catastrophe that we're not currently forecasting. One of our viewers, Dean, wonders whether the Fed has considered the possibility that the return of student loan repayments this fall is going to help curb inflation as people need to pay off their loans and, and reduce spending. Uh, Patrick Harker of the Philadelphia Federal Reserve mentioned this the other day. Is this something Fed officials are paying close attention to, Greg? I think they're watching it. I, I, I think overall, though, when you're talking about the size of the U.S. economy, most economists think that the student loan thing, although it hits individuals very hard and groups of people very hard, young people, that overall the macro effect won't be large. But it, it sort of depends on the timing. There was a sense that the economy was going to slow, you know, after Labor Day, and then this went on top of things would just be that extra kick down. But now when we look at the economy, it's does you know that kind of fear seems to be fading a little bit as the third quarter GDP growth estimates get revised up? So I, I think that the bottom line is that I've been hearing for years and years. Don't count on the consumer. People are going to be spending money, but if, if it's slow down markedly, that'll be a big story, and that'll be sort of like that. The economy is kind of taking that lower gear we've been expecting for so long, and it's just never seen. Mm -hmm. A reminder to the audience, big questions in the question and answer section. Uh, turning to when rates are likely to fall, this is a question a lot of viewers are wondering when the Fed might actually get around to cutting rates. Best guess, Wall Street loves to speculate on this, and until early this year, they expected the rates Fed would start cutting rates sometime this year, which is certainly out of the question now. Best guess now is to be, appears to be the spring of 2024 or later. Greg, you mentioned that a little bit earlier. What would make the Fed officials comfortable in cutting rates, Greg? I mean, what the way Chair Powell says it is he wants to have more confidence that inflation is on this like downward path to 2%. So most economists see that we've sort of had the easy victories in um, inflation. Some of the data, the base effects, and some bad numbers have kind of fallen off the table. So, but if, the, if that keeps going, if the momentum does, we've had, as said, we've had two good inflation reports in a row, if we start seeing a strain on them, then I think that, that would be good for the Fed. But before we go any further, Jeff, I want to hear you think about today's speech right now. I want you to, you know, from your point of view, looking at the economy and keeping the economy from market watch, what was your sense? The idea of the Fed achieving the, a favored soft landing is restoring low inflation without causing recession would have seemed like a miracle a year ago. It seemed like almost every economist was forecasting recession. Right now, growth is still strong. The labor market's tight. People can want a job and get a job. How close is the Fed pulling off a soft landing, Megan? It's only happened once or maybe twice since World War II. I think they're surprisingly close. The key part is that inflation isn't where they want it to be yet. So yes, things have looked really good so far. We haven't seen a collapse in the labor market. We haven't seen consumer spending slow down in any remarkable way. 
but they have a ways to go on inflation. And like you mentioned earlier, the hardest part is coming. The stickiest bits of inflation are the ones that are hardest to slow are the ones that are left. So they know they have more work to do. And I think it's still a big question whether they'll be able to finish that so-called last mile of the inflation fight without more economic pain. Powell's tone today was interesting because he wasn't talking about outright pain or the unfortunate costs that he was talking about a year ago, but he still referred to the need to see some further softening in the labor market. It could just be a slowdown in job openings, but that might mean increase in unemployment. And he also talked about the requirement that they expect they'll need to see a period of below trend growth as well. So again, that could just be really sluggish growth. Maybe it's a contraction. So I think he didn't really elaborate on that. And I, I'm so curious whether the Fed thinks that they're going to have to see at least a little bit more weakness before they really get there. But softening is possible. It's this, The potential is certainly still alive, but they have more work to do. Greg, one of our viewers, James, wonders how much federal spending and the growing national debt influences the Fed and its decision making. Is this something the Fed's paying close attention to? Was it really more of a background sort of noise type of issue for them? I think it's I think uh, that's a big risk for the economy here. I think uh, the government has been spending a lot of money lately, and there's a risk that they're going to keep that up. I mean, there's not too much. If they can kind of get through this October period where House Republicans are threatening to, you know, they really want to make cuts or they're you know, the government has to stay open in October. You know, once you get to that, you know, as the closer they get to an election, politicians, lawmakers really like to spend money. So fiscal policy, I think, has got the bond market's attention, so rates are staying up. So I think the Fed is paying close attention to that. They don't like to talk about it because it just gets them into hot water. But I do definitely think it's front and center in their views of things because that's one of the reasons we had such strong growth this year. I mean, it's just this government spending has really sort of provided this cushion for the economy. I'll add, too, on that, that I think it's becoming an increasing area of focus for a lot of economists. And it's a it's a discussion point this week here because they're starting to look at, you know, how big the debt is, the ratio of debt to GDP. And as interest rates rise and stay high, how much more expensive it's getting to service that debt. I talked with an economist yesterday who said, you know, I really have a bone to pick with all of the economists who over the past five to 10 years have, have been making the argument that, you know, that doesn't matter. Interest rates are low. We can keep spending. It's a way to keep the economy propped up. She thinks that, you know, we're at the point now where we're really going to have to face the size of the deficit and do something about it. And while economists are just beginning to talk about this, it's going to take some time for that to trickle into the political sphere, especially with an election coming up. So there's not really a solution in sight, but economists are starting to get worried about it. Now, we've been talking a lot, and Fed officials talk a lot about the 2% inflation target. And we've already discussed whether the Fed might at some point consider raising it. But some of our viewers are wondering, they want to go back a little bit in time. What's so magical about 2%? Why does the Fed have a 2% inflation target in the first place? I can handle that one a little bit. I mean, I think Alan Greenspan many, many years ago said that low bias and what is low inflation? What is low inflation for him? He said low inflation is when people don't think about inflation. But people can, it's really important for the economy, for businesses to not have to factor in inflation in their decision making. The thing about inflation that it doesn't get talked about a lot, but I think it's the biggest thing about inflation is that 
messes up the kind of the signals that private businesses get from the economy. Are people buying more dishwashers? Do people want this? It sort of gets the economy out of whack. And that's a big thing. So Alan Greenspan said, listen, we want it so that people aren't thinking about it. Mm -hmm. And it's true that 2% gets, in the past, 2% has been a place where people didn't think about it. They just kind of went about their business. And so I think that's really what the Fed wants to get through. It's not, they picked that number in 2012. It was a, probably their best guess then. They've learned a lot since then, like we all do. But they have to kind of stick with it for now. You know, I think maybe, you know, 20, you know, seven years or something, and might be a little bit different. That's kind of the thinking behind it. And as Megan's inflation expectations, if you tell people for a long time that person is it, and then you say them like, oh, never mind. And what happens? What do people start thinking? They'll start thinking for you know. I think that's the worry. I mean, who knows if that would happen? But that's kind of the sense about it. These inflation expectations. That's the theory that people are talking about. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things Fed officials always talk about is the monetary lags, which, which plain English means it takes a while for the full effects of higher interest rates to slow the economy and to tamp down inflation. Some people have argued we've seen most of the lagged effects. Powell himself suggests that's not the case. Does the Fed have a good handle on what the, the lagging effects in the economy are, or do they expect that the surge in interest rates they've engineered over the last year and a half the full effects are still going to be felt later on through slowing an economy, rising unemployment, lower consumer spending and whatnot. How long is are these lags going to take to fully show up? Both of you? I think it's interesting. I was interested to hear Powell say today that he does not think the full impact has been felt yet because we've heard other Fed officials, I believe it was Fed Governor Chris Waller, who said recently that continuing to wait for the full impact to be felt is waiting for a bus that's already left the station. So I thought Sorry, folks, it appears we may have lost Greg and Megan. We can see if we can get them back. As Megan was saying, Chairman Powell indicated today he doesn't think the full effects of the lags have shown up in the economy. The Fed does expect that the economy is going to continue to slow over the next several months and into early next year. In his speech, Powell said he expects unemployment, for example, to go up. Greg, Megan, okay. can you hear us again? Yeah, yes. we can hear you. Can you hear so us? So we, we were talking about the lags, Megan, and Powell uh, himself doesn't think we've seen the full effects yet. Yes. I, what I would say about the lags is, is if you're trying to figure out who's a hawk and who's a dove on the Fed, one easy way is to look at how they talk about lags. Like Megan said, Chris Waller, who's a governor, is one of the leading hawks. He dismisses the fact that there's going to be this big the economy is going to get whacked in the coming months from all the past rate hikes. So I think it is significant that Powell sort of, in my mind, sided a little bit with the doves this morning when he said um, that there is like evidence that substantial effects from the economy might still be, you know, going to hit the economy. But we're going to watch that closely. Um, yeah. 
that's my answer to that. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think in doing so, in Powell saying that they're still waiting for some impact to be felt, that opens the door for the Fed to be more cautious over the next few months. So they can say, if they decide not to rate hike, hike rates in September, that it's because they want to wait to see how the additional impact will be felt, that they think there's still more coming. It's sort of a way of justifying uh, holding steady. Now, we have a presidential election looming not just a little over a year from now. One of our viewers, John, wonders how much trust is Powell and his team at the Fed engendered from various stakeholders in our economy. So far, there's been a few attacks on Powell from some of the candidates on the Republican side. But by and large, the criticism of Powell in Washington has been muted by both Democrats and Republicans. This is somewhat surprising to me. Fed chairmen have usually been under attack pretty constantly throughout their time in Washington. What is it about Powell that he doesn't, he seems, I wouldn't say immune from criticism, but certainly he's getting a lot of leeway from both parties. Yes, this is Greg. I think that Powell has made a conservative effort to talk to politicians. I mean, of all the, the last, you know, Bernanke and Yellen, two past chairs were really impossible when it came to politics. They did, just didn't um, understand it quite. They were really great at monetary policy. They weren't so great on the politics. I think when Powell took the job, I mean, I think that was his one of the, his strengths. Like he ran, went up to Capitol Hill and started talking to them right away. And I think that builds that builds um, trust and everything. But listen, you know, look at the CPI numbers. It, it was nine percent inflation, and now we're we're talking about somewhere in the three percent range. I mean, that you know, he has a good argument to make, and politicians see that um, inflation has come down from those high levels. The Fed did even though they were late to the game on inflation, as soon as they realized that they were late, they just, they hurried up so quick and raised, you know, 75 basis point hikes for them in a row. So, you know, there's some sense that they've done a lot here. Now, of course, the, we're here at this place now where things are tricky. So it, and it's, it's not over till it's over, but, um, you know, he does have a strong case. I just want to add anything. Yeah, I think I think that's all true. I think Powell's made a really strong case, and I think the Biden administration has made a concerted effort to really let the Fed do its thing, for lack of a better phrasing. Uh, you know, they want to maintain the central bank's independence and say this inflation fight, you know, the Fed acts independently, you do what you do. I think we could be in for a little bit of a different tone depending on how the election goes. I think former President Trump has, of course, uh, you know, clashed with Powell in the past, has, has really harped on him in 2018 and 19 about some of his policy decisions, and I believe has said that he would replace him if he wins the election. Other candidates have talked about slashing significantly the staff at the Federal Reserve and that sort of thing. So I think we could see it start to get a little bit more politicized, but you're right that Powell's really seen as a middle of the road guy who gives pretty clear guidance and, and is, is really upfront about what the Fed is doing and why. And, and so far, politicians have respected that. And we just have time for a few more questions. But, uh, our viewer, Sherry, says she's noted significant revisions in economic data releases. Uh, Megan, Greg, we've all grappled with this. Sometimes it seems like the economy is getting better or worse, and it turns out the revisions show, no, that wasn't the case. The Fed itself may have been caught on a few occasions thinking one thing about the economy was and maybe wasn't entirely true. Does the noise, all this noise in the data stream since the pandemic, does it affect Fed decisions? How does the Fed cope with this? Megan? I'll start. I think they are realizing just how noisy the data is these days, as you mentioned, because of some of those 
impact of the COVID pandemic and the way it's thwarted some of the seasonal adjustments and, and, and required some pretty big revisions. They're really careful about it now. Powell has said many times that they won't be caught thinking that just two months or one or two months of good inflation data means that we're on a sustained downward path. And part of that is because they've been fooled before, um, especially as, as some things get adjusted upwards or downwards. So it's certainly something they're grappling with, but they're very aware of it. Powell always says they look at the totality of the data to try to minimize any errors and, and, and try to get the best picture of what's going on. The only thing I would add is that when I, I talked to Boston Fed President Susan Collins yesterday, and what she said to me, and I think is probably is true, is that they've done a lot of work to get interest rates where they are now, and they've sort of bought themselves some time here. So they don't have to react to every retail sales report. They can kind of wait a little bit. They've done that work, and that's, that's where they are now. That's where they're talking about patience and looking at things. And Powell said, you know, moving cautiously here. Um, you know, I was struck that Powell said he wasn't even sure that they needed to raise rates at all. So um, I think that's sort of buried in the some of the hawkish talk that he kind of put on the front page of his speech. And then at the very end there, he said that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's always a thing with the data that we learn things about this. We learn things as we keep going. But that's just the name of the game. Now, there's a growing debate. Let's say the Fed actually gets to its 2% target in the next couple of years as, as, it, as it forecasts. There is a growing debate over whether a prolonged era of low inflation is over. We had low inflation really for the last decade or two, and there are a lot of the factors that contributed to it, to the rise of China, a, slack, a, a surplus of labor, both in the U.S. and around the world, and other factors are kind of receding. So what do, Greg and Megan, what do Fed officials think do they think we're going back to a low inflation era or is the post-pandemic world going to look different? Jeff, I think that's why they came to Jackson Hole this year. <laughs> they've got they've gathered like the smartest people in the US economists and they're sitting in a room and they're asking them that question. That's the big question. Are we gonna go back to that period that we all know and love from you know 2010 to the pandemic of super low interest rates, like you said earlier, 2% mortgages. Are we going to go back to that? Or are we sort of in this new paradigm from the 1990s, say, where, you know, 8, 8% mortgages are common, 7%, you know, 10-year, you know, somewhere around there. They don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, and it's great to talk to people and get their views on that. And that's what the Fed is doing this week, I think. I think that this, this weekend, they're, I think they're just kind of poking at people and they're asking people that question. And um, I know it matters a ton for Wall Street and for hedge funds. And, you know, I, they make all those bets. They have to put their money on the table. Those guys are stressing that out. For the rest of for Americans, you know, you and me on Main Street, I think we kind of don't, I don't think that that 2% inflation environment that we had from 2010 was super for us. Like the labor market was really tight. Jobs were kind of scarce. There wasn't a lot of investment. I mean, if you look around now, that labor market we have now, that's the kind of labor market we want, right? We want people to be able to work. We want Americans to feel that they can get ahead if they work and they kind of can join this sort of like join the economy. So I do think that, you know, sort of in my heart of hearts, I'm rooting for the for the bigger kind of inflation rates. But I know that, you know, we'll just have to see how the data work out and how those questions are answered. But Megan, I want to hear what you have to say. No, I think you're absolutely right. It's the biggest question here. And it's one I've been thinking a lot about and I've been, posed, I've been posing it to the economists I've talked to. 
And I think, you know, before I got here, I had heard a lot of concern from Wall Street and analysts who would say, what are we going to do if interest rates don't get back to that, those ultra low levels? How is a company like Tesla, you know, the next Tesla going to get off the ground if, we're, if we can't borrow money um, as freely as we could before? But I think the argument I've heard here from economists has been a lot more hopeful that we don't want to get back to where we were. You know, we'd only go back to those super low levels if there's a big economic catastrophe, another pandemic, another financial crisis. The, the what we want is to be able to keep interest rates at a slightly elevated rate so that we have room to go lower if we need to, to cushion the blow from any economic uh, downturn. And, and we want to, you know, we could even boost, uh, we could be more efficient with our investments if we have to think a little bit harder about which companies are spending more money. And we want a little bit of churn in the labor market so that people can get to a job that fits them better and employers don't have as much trouble hiring. So I think there has been so much concern about, oh, we're never going to get back to this era of ultra easy money. But I think most economists here are starting to say we actually don't want to get there. This is all the time we have for today, unfortunately. Uh, thanks to Greg and Megan for being here. Uh, read more of their coverage of the Fed at Barron's and Market Watch. Please join us again on Monday. Barron's Deputy Editor Ben Levinson will speak with senior writer Al Root about what comes next for the stock market as Jackson Hole recedes and payrolls loom, while taking time to consider where Tesla goes from here. Thank you for listening, everyone. Stay well and have a great weekend. The energy transition is a long and winding road and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.